0: Welcome to The Whole Marketer, where we look at the holistic skills the marketeers of today need to grow the brands and businesses of tomorrow, to ensure marketeers feel supported and empowered to have successful and fulfilling careers and lives as a whole. Hello and welcome to The Whole Marketer podcast. Today's podcast is an area of personal understanding. It's work styles. And shortly, we'll be welcomed by today's guests, Alex Hurst and Lizzie Penny. But before we do, let me tell you what work styles mean to me. One of the key pillars of the whole marketer is fulfillment, being able to have a career and life that is based on our values and that works in harmony with our lives as a whole. Many of us have been thriving for flexible work and for organizations to at least adopt a flexible working pattern. Many organisations have been reluctant to do this, but the pandemic has proved it is indeed possible. However, having the autonomy to define your work styles is more than just flexible working, where we look to work the hours in which we are contracted to deliver in a more flexible pattern. Work styles is having the ability to have full autonomy to define your work style, which is when and where we work, to ensure it lives with our lives as a whole. Define your work style has benefits to your well-being, productivity, and society as a whole, and that is what we'll be discussing in today's podcast. Today's guests are Lizzie Penny and Alex Hurst, who are friends, entrepreneurs, speakers, and changemakers. They've been leading the work style revolution for a decade, initially by co-founding a social enterprise, Hoxby, in 2014 to prove the concept. They have helped thousands of work around the world to set, project and respect their own workstyles, and are conducting pioneering research into the link between autonomy, productivity and well-being. Hoxby has delivered projects working in a workstyle for some of the biggest brands in the world, which include Unilever, Amazon, Sony, AIA, Etsy, Divine Chocolate and Merck. Last year, Hoxby provided work style work for more than 600 Hoxby's. Alex and Lizzie, welcome to the Whole Marketer podcast. Thank you for having us. So as you know, with the Whole Marketer podcast, we always start with a big juicy question. And today's big juicy question is, what are work styles to you?
1: Great question. So firstly, work style means having the freedom to choose when and where you work for yourself so that work fits around life. For me, that is fitting around my two children who are just starting school they're six and four so when they're at home I'm at home with them I want to be a present dad so I work while they're at school nine till three and then when they're off over the school holidays I'm off with them but within that kind of nine till three time I also make sure I have at least an hour for me because if I don't have that then I don't have any time for myself because when the kids are at home they are all consuming so that's my work style nine till three would they
2: for me? And mine is slightly different. I have three small kids as well. I also have a husband going through cancer treatment and I'm recovering from cancer treatment myself and I'm going through the menopause. So I have a number of things that I work around. So for me, the freedom to choose when and where I work means that actually my work style changes often almost every week at the moment in order to accommodate my husband's treatment, my children's busy social calendars, and also making sure that I keep myself healthy. But I would say, a bigger answer to the question you know for me it's life-changing to be able to work this way particularly with some of the turbulent times that I've personally been through over the last couple of years.
0: And I'm sorry to hear about those turbulent times Lizzie because there are all challenges that you know you couldn't have foreseen and that is the reality of life having to chop and change at any given point to be able to do what we need.
2: That is true. And I think everyone has unexpected challenges in life. And in writing the book about work style, Alex and I really reflected on how this is relevant to everyone in some way even if you think it's not relevant to you, you will get older and that makes a difference. So everyone has their own challenges going on and what we campaign for is for work to be individualised so that it can fit around the idiosyncrasies of your individual life.
0: So in summary, it's the freedom to choose and working in a way that allows you to meet your needs or challenges that you face in life. Yes. So one thing is clear between the whole marketer concept and the work styles concept, or should we say the whole marketeer philosophy and the work style philosophy, is it's more than just a concept, is we are both aligned to having fulfilment in both our work and our lives as a whole. For those that are listening, how will work styles allow us to gain greater fulfilment?
1: Well, I think in short, it's about having an individualised system of work rather than a one-size-fits-all system of work. So if everybody can choose for themselves when and where they work, they have a much higher level of autonomy than they would have in a traditional nine-to-five. That autonomy, we know, increases productivity, which is great in terms of having fulfilling work. But we know that the reason it increases productivity is also because of an increased state of well-being. And that obviously is going to contribute to fulfilment in our lives. So what we're talking about here is the autonomy of work style increases productivity, and it does so because of increased well-being. And that is because autonomy is individual. It's not about fitting into a box or predetermined a nine-to-five Monday-Friday to job.
2: In the book, we lay out five ways that we feel that Workstar really elevates your well-being. So being better for your mental health, allowing you to connect your work to your personal purpose, facilitating time for learning, allowing you to connect with other people in new and Complex ways, and also being better able to look after your body. So, mind, purpose, learning, connection, and body are the five ways that we feel that work style elevates our well-being. And we found that personally from experience, anecdotally from people we work with who work in this way, and also we've found research to back up all five of those areas. So, everyone should work this way. Abby
0: agreed. <laughs> so, benefits of defining your individual work styles, mind, purpose, connection, body, and learning. And you just mentioned there the book. What drove you both to write the book?
2: I think there were a couple of things. So one for me was my cancer diagnosis and wanting to make sure that my children know what I'm fighting for if I'm not here to tell them myself. The other big thing was that Alex and I started working in a work style way eight years ago. So many years pre-pandemic and everyone thought we were a bit strange and then the pandemic happened and suddenly everyone wanted to know how we worked. So we started trying to open source all the details about how we worked and that eventually became the book because we just didn't have capacity to speak to all the people who wanted to speak to us and so we thought best to put it down in a book so that everyone who wants to can read it.
0: So one thing that's clear as I'm hearing your response there Lizzie is the actual proven example of purpose you know it was what you and Alex are fighting for where does that drive come from?
2: I think one of the things we write about in the book is about living for your eulogy, thinking about the legacy that you want to leave behind. And this book feels like something that we can leave behind that hopefully will make its own impact on the world. Certainly, as you know, Abby, writing a book. It can be a lengthy and involved process and take lots of energy. And that was the thing that we kept reminding ourselves that we're doing this to leave our positive mark on the world, to put our truth out there about the big experiment of working in a work style way over the last eight years and share what we've learned in the hope that that can help other people. And there's something profoundly fulfilling about that. We've created an organization called Hoxby, which is essentially a prototype for working in a work style way. And we work with clients large and small, Unilever, Merck, AIA, Divine Chocolate, B-Labs. And when we started Hoxby eight years ago, we started with a vision to create a happier, more fulfilled society through a world of work without bias. That was our vision then, and that remains our vision now. And not only is that powerful in connecting us to our work, it's powerful in connecting the 500 people who work in that community to each other, because we all have a shared goal and we all want to feel like we're making progress towards that so I think it's so so important
1: work is making a lot of people unhappy and we don't want a future like that for our kids or for the many millions of people who are even excluded from the privilege of taking part in that work that makes most people unhappy and one of the big reasons for that is that the system is no longer fit for purpose it's built on industrial age principles of being somewhere for a fixed amount of time in order to work together to get things done. We no longer need to go to those places in order to work together, and we no longer need to work to the same hours. And in fact, our way of thinking about work, which is anchored in those principles, is probably the thing that's now holding us back as we try to make sense of the digital age that we now live in and try to take advantage of the opportunity that technology is putting in front of us right now. So it's a frustration that we can't move out of that paradigm as a species quickly enough as well, I think, that probably drives us every day to help increase awareness and understanding of the potential for work style and how it can change people's lives, but also change the world into the future.
0: And both of those points came through really clearly when I was reading the book. You know, there's the individual benefit for you for adopting it or for your organisation adopting this style. But actually, it's that societal benefit. You know, if we all work in a new way, a way that is fit for purpose, one that does embrace where we are societally, digitally, socially, you know, all of those things... For me, it moves from a place of purpose, you know, you two as human individuals wanting to do something different, creating Hoxby, creating a concept, a vision, proving that vision and now bringing this to life to actually coupling that with what actually society needs. Let's just call it for what it is. I don't think there is One human individual that's listening to this podcast that is thinking, actually, I don't want that. I want to stay in my rigid industrial ways of working with set hours. You know, it might give them some certainty, but it's not going to give them fulfillment. It's not necessarily going to give them a sense of well being. And it's not going to allow them the time or space, shall I say, to make choices around when you're doing your best work. And I think that's one of the things that came through really strongly for me when reading your book and obviously from previous conversations we've had is it's not just about flexible working. It's not just about appreciating that someone has a life beyond their role, the person behind the brand or business, as I always say, which the pandemic made us realise, you know, there were a lot more people behind that. There were children and there were animals and there were other individuals coming into view that people spoke about but didn't see, you know, almost like these fictitious people that they have to be there for and want to be there for because of their people. The pandemic allowed us to make that more visible, but the fundamental core principle is it's not just flexibility, that is one of the benefits, isn't it? The other is actually doing the best work when you as a human are at your best, because we all get our energy from different ways and our brains are all ignited at different times and parts of the day. Is that another dimension to this work style pattern also?
2: Definitely. And I think for us, a lot of this is about understanding the distinction between autonomy and flexibility. Because flexibility is essentially still flexing around that industrial age, you know, eight hour day. And doing so puts you into an outgroup dynamic where you're one of the special ones who works in a different way. And also, it's just not creating change fast enough. The book has geek boxes, (laughs) which are kind of focused pieces of text on specific areas of research. And one of those is about the slow progress of flexible working, albeit with really positive intent, and how it's just simply not making progress in some of those areas you talked about in terms of equality and inclusion at work. And so I think both from a well-being perspective and a societal perspective, there is A chasm between autonomous working and flexible working, and yet all too often those two are conflated. And hybrid working, we would put in the camp of flexible working as well, because all too often that's still imposed hours that you Mm. need to be at your desk or a few days a week. And I think a lot of organisations are coming out of the pandemic. And as you said, the pandemic was basically an enlightenment for people, for individuals to realise they could work differently, they could fit their work around their lives. And even in the most horrendous circumstances, productivity still increased, people had better work-life balance, balances according to the research. And so imagine if we all did that in a time that wasn't a pandemic you know how brilliant that could be so yeah I, th- I think that for us that's a really important distinction
1: there's an acknowledgement with that that is companies typically want to mandate how people work and set a policy whether that's full-time part-time flexible remote hybrid or what they haven't been able to do until now is give that autonomy to individuals to decide it for themselves And probably quite rightly, in so much as people probably haven't had the experience or skills to understand how to do that for themselves, but that's what autonomous working is, and it's a new skill for people to learn and to develop at. We're just at the start of this journey, you know, we've spent the last two centuries being told where to be and when, and so this is new, but it's important to our future that as workers we get comfortable with managing our own autonomy. And, you know, anybody who's listening to your podcast is probably someone of a growth mindset and therefore can understand that that might be something they need to learn and get good at. But there are a lot of people who still just fundamentally don't believe that it's within their control to define their own work style and who may find that that is very difficult to overcome. They may be stuck in or even prefer being in a mindset of being told where to be and where. So what we need to do is we're at the start of this adoption curve of what we think is an inevitable autonomous future of work. And work style really is this toolkit for people, the starting point to enable them to move to autonomous working as individuals and as teams and companies.
0: For me, there is two areas here. I think there is one about we're not talking about flexible working, we're talking about autonomy. I think we're also talking about a mindset shift within organisations and how they structure their resource. When you were talking there, Alex, you were talking about flexible working, but also part-time working and about days that they're working. It feels very much from a resource viewpoint as opposed to actually productivity and outputs. And maybe if the mindset shift was how do I ensure productivity with either the people I have or the people that I need to have to get that that may help with the viewpoint also.
1: Yes, that's exactly why at Hoxby, everything that we do is briefed towards an output and an outcome. So rather than thinking in terms of job titles and contracted hours, we think in terms of outputs, deliverables, and curating the right people to come together to deliver those, which is a different way of running a business, but it is more, we think, a more productive way to do it.
0: In addition to the mindset that they will need to adopt around productivity and outcomes, there's also potentially some concerns maybe around culture and communication, which is I know where you talk about bringing that Mm. kind of digital connectivity that we now have in place. Because I think for the organisations that I've seen that have adopted flexible working or the hybrid working, there's still parameters, isn't there? There's still, but there's these core hours that you have to be mm-hmm. be there for, or there's these core days that you have to be in the office for so that we can still communicate. I think it's also a cultural shift that's going to need to happen in order for that work style philosophy to be adopted is to also embrace the ways in which you can communicate and think more broadly about that and how you build cultures and communication and and embrace that digital technology.
2: I think that's right. And what we're talking about here is a way of working that is not chosen by companies, it's chosen by people. And it's not about contracted hours, it's about contracted outputs. And we learned very early on that this was about a digital first approach, about working asynchronously, and about a trust-based culture. And those three things have really stood the test of work style for us. If you don't have those three things, you're not working in a work style way. But those things also don't come by themselves. So we've had people in the past saying, you don't have an office, so you don't have any costs. And I think that the reality is that company culture, if you don't create it, it creates itself. And in order to create a trust-based community, as we have a working community, whereby work fits around life rather than the other way around, you need to purposely structure your business in the right way. And similarly, you need to purposely create culture in the right way. And that might be leaders role modeling. Right behavior, it might be having the right combination of technology, it might be about really clear expectations of output for individuals. But all of those things need to happen on purpose. They need to bring people together behind a shared vision in order to make sure that everyone is working collaboratively in this new way of working. And I think there's a misconception that if you're in, in an office, people are just collaborating naturally. You don't need to do it because they're in an office, which also isn't true. So even for people just moving towards work style working, we feel there's a need to actually invest in having the right culture and the right leadership for modern working practices.
0: So on that point, Lizzie, for those that are listening, thinking, right, I'm in. I need the right culture. I need the right leadership. I want this individually for me. The organization's going to benefit. And I'm also going to be able to be part of this social legacy change. Tell us more about The benefits of doing this you know we spoke about well-being we talked about the step changes in productivity and the benefits on society can you tell us more about each of those three things and maybe a bit more about the research that you found in refining your philosophy
2: Yeah, so we've been running a longitudinal research study, which basically means a research study over a number of years, for the last four years at Hoxby, which is where everyone in the Hoxby community needs to complete a series of questions for us each year so that we can look at whether our way of working, autonomous working through work style, is benefiting across those areas. And what we've seen is already we knew because it's well-documented, that autonomy leads to many benefits, including better productivity. So research has already found that people with more autonomy take greater pride in their work, they're more emotionally attached to their work, they have better work-life balance, job satisfaction, they're more engaged, and it reduces things like stress, staff turnover, and exhaustion. So that link we already knew. But as Alex said, the link that we've established is that well-being is the reason for that. That because you work with more autonomy, you have improved well-being, and because of that, you are more productive. And so that was a really important element of the research. I think the other thing that we found during the book, if we're honest, is that for the last eight years, we've been working this way, and we really believed we knew our own well-being had improved. But it was in the course of the book that we did a huge amount of research into this and found that in every area we thought our well-being was improved. That is empirically backed up. And then from a productivity perspective, this is about individual productivity, but also collective productivity. And the productivity and society things are really intertwined because not only are we more productive For instance, when we can choose our own environment. So even autonomy over the layout of our workspace can make us up to 32% more productive. So there's that individual element, but there's also the collective element. So the impact on society of work style means that we can create more cognitively diverse workforces. And that means that we can create more interesting thoughts, more insightful ideas for campaigns, and will mean that we can work in a different and better way by bringing people into the workforce who otherwise would have been excluded, which obviously has societal benefits, but also has benefits for business. There's so many reasons this way of working works. Can you tell?
0: There are so many reasons. And if you want more reasons, buy the book. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) So those benefits that Lizzie outlined, plus everything else that's in the book, there's people listening that are thinking, yep, I want my autonomy. I wanted to find my work style where do I start? Or they're thinking, I work in a business that's not even adopted flexible working yet. And now I'm saying that I want us to all work in a more autonomous way. And in particular, you know, those businesses that you and I were describing earlier, Lizzie, around kind of more corporate, traditional office building type businesses, what would be your advice on where they start or how they become part of the work style revolution?
1: Well, firstly, buy the book, have a read, follow us at The Workstyle Revolution on Instagram. We're also on LinkedIn because we share lots of tips and real world stories from people who've managed their own work style over the last few years. But I think in simple terms, the starting point is to use the word. So think about what your work style is and talk about it to someone. My work style is, and be honest, probably more than it should be. Let's say it's nine to five, Monday to Friday. That might be your starting point but then we talk in the book about the process of adopting work style is to set project and respect it setting your work style is the starting point and for most people the belief is actually that's not within my control it's what i'm contracted to do which is nine to five monday to friday so that can be the starting point and then the question is how much choice do i have within that of when and where I work, or what are the things that I do outside of work? What are my obligations, my commitments, my circumstances that I would actually like work to fit around? How can I start to integrate some of those things within the confines of where I don't have choice? And that's the starting point. Firstly, belief that it's within your control. And secondly, to start thinking about it and implementing it. Because the reality is that people's work styles exist anyway. We just haven't had a word through which to talk about them before and we haven't felt that we've had the control over them ourselves. So talking about it speaks it into existence and enables us to start thinking about it and evolving it. Lizzie and I have work styles that have evolved all the time over the last eight years. The whole point is that it evolves and it is not rigid. So start set something, set a work style and embrace the fact that it will evolve. Then project it. So projecting it means communicating it. Communicate your work style openly to other people, the people you work with, the people you live with, family and friends. Make sure everybody knows what your work style is and why. And then respect it. Respecting your work style, we found, is probably the hardest thing for people to get their heads around. People are often very good at respecting other people's work styles and not so great at respecting their own. So People have to learn to hold themselves to account for their own work style and making sure that they respect the boundaries that they're setting for themselves because really autonomous working comes with setting your own boundaries and sticking to them. So it's a very important part of the process having set and projected your work style to respect it and respect the work style of everyone else you work with.
0: So first things first, set it, get really clear on what you need your work style or what you want your work style pattern to be based on your needs, based on when you're doing your best work or my Jerry Maguire moments, as I like to call them. And the second one being to respect it and having the self-awareness to know when you're not doing that and what might be driving you to not respect it for yourself. One of the benefits is also the societal gain, you know, as a whole, that by adopting work styles, those excluded groups, including those that are neurodivergent, will be more able to access the workforce?
2: Yeah, I think this is a really important part. And you talk about neurodiversity specifically. In the book, we look at seven groups who are fundamentally excluded from work in the current traditional nine to five, five-day-a-week working structure. And that is older workers, carers, those with living with chronic illness, physical disabilities, mental health challenges, parents and people who are neurodivergent. And for each of those, we look at what we call the gap stats, which is the difference between the people in those groups who would like to work and the people who do. So for example, 77% of people with autism want to work, but only 26% do. So that's a 51% gap. It's crazy. And the same across the other groups. Every one of those groups has a cosmic gap between the people who want to work and the people who do. And so if we restructure work we fundamentally bring those groups into the labour market at a time where we have a a crisis with our ageing demographic. So there's... The excluded groups, and then there's also discriminated groups. And that we think is more about having a work star mentality, adopting a work star attitude. And so what working this way will do is fundamentally change our society because it will mean people who want to work can, regardless of their circumstances. Whereas at the moment, a lot of people want to work, but just can't because we're still working in a way that was set in an industrial age and was suitable for when most of our working population worked in factories.
1: On that point as well with the attitude and all shift that comes with work style is you break down the stereotypes everybody's got an individualized way of working you treat everyone as an individual you don't move them into lazy shorthand groups in the way that you might in a traditional sense there's no assumption around them and you treat them as individuals by virtue of the fact that you're being treated as one as well. You're given the opportunity to work to your own work style and bring your own individual self to the team. And we found that that's been revolutionary in terms of an attitudinal shift of starting with the assumption that everyone is a unique individual with an individual work style and an individual contribution to bring.
2: So
0: thank you so much to both of you for your time on today's podcast so far. I'm sure that everyone listening is thinking about autonomy and work styles and what it means for them and how they can set them and respect them for them, for their businesses, for society as a whole. I'm sure all of that emotional motivation energy is going from listening to you. So thank you. We always finish the podcast with this following question. Alex, you know it. Lizzie, it's coming your way. What one piece of advice would you give to marketers of tomorrow?
1: I would say take a break. There's a cracking geek box in the work style book by Dorian Miners, who's a cognitive neuroscientist at the University of Cambridge, who talks about how brain function impacts creative thinking. And we talk about doing the laundry or having a shower as being the places where we come up with our best ideas. And the science backs it up that intuitive insight occurs when we're able to move beyond familiar patterns and discover new ones. So those aha moments occur when we are doing things that are different to the norm. We're allowing our brain and our subconscious to operate in a different way. So doing the same thing every day and being in an office all the time is not necessarily conducive to uh, insightful thinking. So in short, take a break.
2: Mine would be remember the power of diverse teams. I think particularly for marketers, it's important to remember that diverse teams outperform homogenous teams. And that in bringing together people with different perspectives on life and combining people with lots of experience with people with intelligent naivety, we can come up with some truly original and exceptional ideas. And I think that's never more important than in marketing.
0: Brilliant. And thank you so much for your time so far today.
2: Thank you so much for for having having us. us.
0: (laughs) Thank you for tuning into the Whole Marketer podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do like, follow and share. The Whole Marketer is here to support and empower you and your teams with the latest technical skills, soft and leadership skills and behaviors, and personal understanding for a successful, fulfilling marketing career and life as a whole. For support, resources, and more information on how we can help you to become a Whole Marketer and build whole marketing teams, go to www.thewholemarketer.com.